0: Be Christ's church, impact the valley, reach the world, all for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke Podcast. Today, our student pastor, Ethan Smith, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, then go ahead and grab it. We will be in the book of Colossians this morning, Colossians chapter 1, and we will look at verses 15 through 20 in our time together. Again, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Today is Palm Sunday, as Pastor Daniel already mentioned, and you might be wondering why in the world we're in Colossians rather than talking about Jesus entering Jerusalem on the back of a donkey to, to shouts and praises of Hosanna, and that's a, that's a fair question. And as I try to, to think this week about what would be most helpful, most beneficial to the church, especially as we head into to Passion Week, which culminates in Good Friday and Easter Sunday, what I thought would be most helpful is for us to take a long look at who Jesus really is. Because knowing who he is affects how we view Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And Colossians chapter 1 gives us a list of amazing descriptions of Christ. They demonstrate clearly Christ's sovereignty over all Things And therefore, as we're going to see, his preeminence, his top priority in everything. Absolutely everything. And what I long for us is to move from just a a head knowledge of that reality to actually seeing it lived out in our lives. Because I I really believe for, for most of us, if I were to ask you, is Jesus in charge, you would probably say yes. If I asked if Jesus is the most important person in the universe, you would say yes. If I asked if Jesus ranks above everyone else, you would say yes. We, we can be very quick with these answers. We know the answers, but if we then shifted to how that reality actually looks in our life, then things might get a little, little sketchy. Because we've become very good at answering macro-level questions. Questions that deal with vast realities, like, like who governs the universe, but we've, we've often become quite poor at seeing His preeminence applied in our own individual lives. Because if we only think in massive terms, then what we do is we we subtly remove our responsibility to obey in the small. If we care only about large scale, then we'll disregard anything small scale because we'll view it as unimportant. And I think, in large part, this is due to our not knowing Jesus. Sure, we, we know about Jesus, but, but do we really know Him? Do you know His power? Do you know His grace? Do you know His love? Do you, do you know that He is the goal and the point of the entire universe, that, that everything actually exists for Him? Do you see him as preeminent in your life, or are you content to leave it big, leave it abstract, so that nothing actually has to change in your life? And if we're going to see the glory of Good Friday and Easter Sunday and be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next, then we need to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And if we don't take the time to behold Christ. Then we can't be surprised when we don't actually mature in our walk with Christ. It's only when we give Christ the preeminence in our lives that that's rightfully his. That we will mature in our walk with him as believers. And I, I want that for us. I want us to grow in our love for and submission to Jesus. And I, I want to help us see the supremacy of Jesus in everything so that we can walk with him rightly in the daily activities of our lives. After all, that, that's the point of doctrine, Right? Doctrine is to be applied to our lives, and if we don't take our doctrine and apply it to our life, then we're not doing doctrine correctly. Jesus is preeminent. He is preeminent. And we need to believe it, we need to love it, and we need to love Him as a result of it. That's, that's my goal, that's where we're headed this morning. So, hopefully by now you are in Colossians chapter 1. Verses 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So let's pray and we will dive in. Father in heaven, we love you. And I thank you for the opportunity to even be here. And Lord, I pray that we would all collectively behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are preeminent. That, that's rightfully yours. And I pray that over the next few minutes we would behold that in a, a clear way and seek to actually apply that to our lives. God, keep us from being content to just say an answer of, yes, Jesus is most important, but that doesn't actually affect our lives. God, keep us from that, I pray. And speak for the glory of Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So this passage, verses 15 through 20, can be divided up into two main sections. Christ's preeminence in creation and Christ's preeminence in redemption. These two categories display Christ's supremacy over everything. Everything in the universe falls under his supremacy. Everything because he is the creator, and he's also in a special way preeminent in the church as its redeemer. So that's where we're headed. So look at verses 15 through 17. I'm going to read that passage again. 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So it begins, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We, we cannot see God. We cannot see God. According to John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit. I would compare it to, to the wind. We've seen a lot of wind over the last couple weeks. We probably had more wind in the last few months than I, I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. But you can't see the wind, can you? You can look out your window and see your tree bent over in half, but you will never see the wind causing that to take place. God is spirit, and Jesus, as the image of the invisible God, makes the invisible visible. I had a, a friend in, in middle school and high school. He's probably my, my best friend. He used to come over all the time. We spent a ton of time together. Uh, he ended up starting to come to my church. Like, he was over all the time, like to the point where... He would come over for family dinner, especially at my grandparents, and he would just tell me in advance, hey, if your grandmother's cooking baked spaghetti, let me know, I'll be there. Like that type of friend, right? Like he doesn't wait for an invitation, he just says, hey, when it's on the menu, let me know, I'll show up. And he was over at my grandparents' one, one evening. I have no idea why this picture was out, but he found a picture of what he thought was my first shave. And so the the young man in the picture has got shaving cream on his face, razor in his hand, and as best friends do, right? So he, he starts making fun of me, right? Oh, look at little Ethan shaving for the first time. He's like that type of friend, right? We all have them. <laughs> and he was really surprised when I, I kind of started laughing, and I told him that that's not me in the picture. It was actually my dad in the picture having his first shave. And he, he couldn't believe it. And if I in that picture am so much the image of my father, how much more is the son the image of the father within the Godhead? Like that's the beauty of the Trinity, such that he can he can tell Philip in John chapter 14, If you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. So that over the next week, when you think of the cross and you think of the empty tomb, you are seeing God in the flesh. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. And that that doesn't mean firstborn in the sense of being born first, as if Jesus is is a created being, but rather that he's firstborn in terms of rank. He is above every other person in the universe. He has the rights of the firstborn. If you remember your Old Testament, the firstborn basically owns everything from the Father. He got everything. He is the firstborn. So in the same way, Christ is the firstborn. He owns everything. It's His by right. He is the firstborn. But not only is he the firstborn and ranks above and owns it all, look what it says next. For by him all things were created. All things, every single thing was made by Jesus. Nothing exists right now that does not find its source in Jesus. He's not the the highest, the best creature that God has ever made like some other religions will try to peddle you. He is The Creator. Does that blow you away? Like, if you stopped and thought about the fact that on Christmas we celebrate the birth of this baby from a a poor virgin woman. The baby's laid in a manger. That throughout the entirety of Jesus' ministry, he doesn't own anything. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And yet, he, the one making that statement, created everything. He's the maker of all things. And Paul continues pressing on. For by him, Jesus, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. That's everything, but just in case. All things were created through him and for him. All things in heaven and on earth have been made by Christ. Every single angel who worships in the presence of God was created by Jesus. Every government that rises, every government that falls comes from Jesus. Every tree, every rock, every person, every animal, every planet, every molecule has been made by Jesus. And not only are they by him, they are for him. If you write in your Bibles, highly recommend, underline, circle that, for him. Jesus is the ultimate goal of of everything. Everything in the universe will lead to his glory. Jesus is the point. That's what that means. Everything that happens will be for his glory. And listen, that includes the positive and that includes the negative. I don't want to sugarcoat that reality. We may not understand how tragedies will be used for his glory... But we can trust that in eternity, we can know they will. Like, uh, another horrifying school shooting seems utterly meaningless in this world. Why would this happen? Why cancer? Why hurricanes? Why earthquakes? I have no idea, apart from sin, But the good news is, I don't have to know. I don't have to work that out. Jesus knows. And that reality can lead you to one of two directions. And you'll see it. People will either hear that, that God is in control, even in the midst of tragedies, and they will hate God. It will be the reason people leave Christianity. Or, it can lead you to a deep confidence because even when the world's seemingly spinning out of control God's got this Amen. I don't know how but he's in charge and that means anything that happens to you will lead to his glory nothing is meaningless nothing is meaningless all will be used for his glory and the same is true for us we were made for Him. Like that's your purpose. Sitting here right now. That's why you have been made. You were made for Jesus. It's for the glory of Jesus. And we will best glorify Jesus when we understand that He's in control and that all things lead to His glory. It gives us a Godward view rather than a man-centered view. It understands that He is preeminent. Surely this is what Paul means in Romans eleven thirty six, 36 where he's just detailed this amazing theology and he finishes with for from him and through him and to him are all things and what is Paul's response to that? To him be glory forever. Amen. All things are through him and for him. He's the goal of all and he reigns supreme and and that can make us not a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> because what tends to happen is we we make ourselves the point of everything like i want to be the center of everybody's attention everything needs to revolve around me what i want dictates what we do what i don't want is what we're not going to do that's what we want we want to be the point or if it's not us we put that on other people right your, your child's the point He's the center of everything. Their happiness is it. But the Bible is not shy about stating that Christ is supreme. We are not. He is preeminent. And the reality is that that type of statement tends to fall on foreign ears because we are so man-centered. But Christ is preeminent christ is paul continues he is before all things and in him all things hold together so he's before all things in the sense of time because he's eternal but he's also the source of all things i've already talked about that but not only did he create them do you see what it says in him in jesus all things hold together so you're sitting here right now, blood pumping, heart beating, because Jesus is holding you together. Exactly right. Hebrews 1.3 says, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Amen. Like, think about what that means. <laughs> the, the God whom we are worshiping this morning is actually sustaining our worship. That's right. We're here spinning on earth as it circles the sun because Jesus is upholding it. He sustains it. He keeps it going. (laughs) This Jesus whom we're going to, to think about as crucified and risen from the dead is the one doing all of that. This is the Jesus whom you pray to in your darkest moment, that you give heartfelt Praise. He's far greater than we can even begin to imagine, far bigger than we can even begin to know. And he's preeminent in all of creation. He's the highest and the most glorious person in the universe. He's worthy of all honor and all praise simply for being the creator. We owe him everything Because we exist. We would not exist without him. And there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the rightful Lord of all because he is the sovereign creator of all. There are no creatures, and we are certainly included in that, that do not owe him everything. So I'll say it this way. Unbelievers sitting here in this room, you've just come to, to check out North Roanoke, see what we're about. You owe your allegiance to Christ because you exist. We belong to him by right. He has no obligation to us, we have all obligation to him. And the glorious reality is, like, I could stop right here. Everything I've said thus far would be true. We could call Jesse and the worship team up, and we could finish out. But, but God was not content to leave us just as creatures to whom he would rule. He wasn't content to be creator and preeminent over creation. But rather, through this same Jesus that's preeminent over creation... He reconciles unworthy sinners to himself. Because not only is he preeminent in creation, he is also preeminent in redemption. Look at 18 through 20. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So not only is he ruling over the universe, but he's intimately involved in the church. He cares deeply about his people he's not indifferent towards us he loves us he's the head of the body he's the head that that governs that leads that builds the church you cannot separate christ from the church any more than you can separate a head from the body and and one of the reasons i love this church and i'm committed to this church is that we understand that jesus is the head of the church so again, unbeliever, you're, you're checking us out, or guest, visitor, this is what we're all about. The leadership team is committed to submitting ourselves to Christ by being submitted to his word. Like That's what we're all about. North Roanoke is not my church. It is not Pastor Daniel's church. It is not the deacon's church. This is Christ's church. We're committed to that. He's the head. We are the body. We follow His lead and His wisdom. Paul writes, He is the beginning. Not only is He the beginning of creation, but He's the beginning of the new creation. I love this. He's making all things new, Revelation 21.5. And like a good captain in the army, He's not taking us anywhere that He Himself has not already gone. We can be confident That he will raise us from the dead and give us eternal life. Why? Because he's the firstborn from the dead. He's gone before us. He's not taking us anywhere or promising us anything that he can fail to deliver. He died and he rose again that he might lead us into life out of death. He didn't skip the death part and just get to life. Right, that was Satan's offer to him in the wilderness, was it not? Hey, just skip all that. Skip all the pain. Skip all the suffering. And I'll just go ahead and give you the kingdoms. Jesus didn't do that. He willingly endured death to bring life. He's the firstborn from the dead. And he ranks above every person as the one who was raised from the dead. And he did it. Do you see it? So that in everything... He might be preeminent. He's supreme over creation and the new creation. All creatures owe him honor and praise, and all true followers of Christ will give him that honor and praise in eternity. But how did he accomplish this? How did he accomplish this? Through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. What we refer to as the gospel. And and do you see it? That in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was pleased. It pleased Him to take on flesh and dwell among us. Because it was only through this that we might be saved. Because only God can absorb the infinite wrath of God. We can't do that. Our absorption of the infinite wrath of God is called an eternity in hell. But only only man can actually represent man to God. Only man can be a substitute for man. Therefore, if we're going to be saved, there needs to be one man who is truly God and truly man. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Only he can represent us to God and God to us and he alone is the mediator. And what I love about this text is that it was, all the fullness of God was, was pleased to dwell in him. It, it pleased him. He wasn't forced to do it. He didn't hate every minute of it. He didn't do it because he had to. It pleased him to do it in order to save. I went to the doctor for the first time this year since I think I was a senior in high school. I figured after about 10 years, I now have a wife and a daughter. It's probably time for me to have a primary care physician. Or so I'm told, at least. I have no idea. (laughs) But, like, I'll be honest. I was not pleased to go to it. (laughs) I wasn't looking forward to it. I didn't wake up one day and be like, you know what would be fun today? It's my day off. Let's go to the doctor, right? Like, that thought never crossed my mind jesus wasn't like that it pleased him to take on flesh and why did it please him to do so it's not because he wanted to die i don't think jesus was masochistic and liked pain i don't think he was just trying to figure out what it would feel like i don't think i don't think he's like a middle school boy that's like let me jump off the roof see if it hurts right i don't think that was his attitude It pleased him to take on flesh because it's through his death and his resurrection that all things were reconciled to him. Do you see that in the text? And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, the, the chasm that exists between us and God because of our sin, because God's holy and we're not, that, that chasm that exists has been bridged through his death and his resurrection so that we can have peace with God, so that we can be adopted into his family through faith in Christ. But it's, it's not just us who are reconciled. Do you see that? Reconciled all things, whether in, on earth or in heaven. The creation itself that was subjected to the curse because of our sin will be made new because Christ died and rose again. Romans eight nineteen through 21. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That creation itself, all of creation is longing for the day of our redemption because on the day of our redemption it will be made new too. It's groaning under the weight of the curse. It's in bondage. And it will be set free. Our sin put it in the cursed state, but Christ's work brings reconciliation. Like, have you ever thought about that? We're not the only ones looking forward to that day. That all of creation is looking forward to being made new all of creation but do you see how we've been reconciled it's the last, last phrase making peace by the blood of his cross through the blood of his cross First Peter chapter 1 18 19 says that we've been ransomed from our futile ways of our forefathers not with, not with perishable things like silver and gold God didn't pay a ransom in a lot of gold. We've been ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus. Christ shed his blood in order to reconcile us back to him. That's the high cost of our redemption. What's amazing is He did so gladly. He did so joyfully. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He did so because He loved us. He knew we had no hope apart from Him. He stood in our place, absorbed the wrath of God to bring us back to God. Therefore, in creation and in redemption, Christ is preeminent. He's preeminent. Christ is supreme as the creator and the sustainer of all, and he's supreme over the Savior as Savior, the head of the church. He is our good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He's the light that's come into the darkness. He's the true vine that gives life to the branches. He's the bread of life that's come down from heaven that satisfies our deepest hunger. He's the fountain of living water that quenches our thirst. He's the door through which we enter into eternal life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. He is the great I Am. And the one that is one with the Father. That, that's who He is. He is preeminent. And the question we need to ask... Is he preeminent in your life? Is he your top priority? Is how you view your marriage, both in amazing mountaintops and, and deep valleys, based on the preeminence of Christ? Are you, are you parenting, for instance, with the end goal of making disciples for Christ? Or do you care more about a scholarship or your child having fun? Is your workplace a mission field for the advancement of Christ? Is your money a tool, an instrument to see the kingdom of Christ advance? Or is Jesus just an add-on that if you have time, you'll get to it? But come on, man, it's Final Four weekend. Or does he take top priority in your life? And I'm I'm willing to bet the answer is going to be no for most of us in some of these categories. That's that's my expectation. Because I'm sure it's that way for me. But my my question then is, my response, are you okay with that? Or are you are you trying to submit everything to Christ? Or is that even on your radar? Like trying to to put everything under Christ so that you can say with Paul, whether you eat or drink or anything you do, do all to the glory of Christ. Or does that sound so completely unrealistic? Because the, the problem for a lot of us, I fear, is that it sounds so unrealistic. Trying to submit everything to Christ, that sounds so unrealistic that we then lower the bar so that we can reach that goal. Rather than taking a look at at the Bible and see, oh, as a follower of Christ, I'm to submit everything to Christ as preeminent and seek to live in that way. Because obedience to the supremacy of Christ is not legalism. It's biblical faithfulness. It's not going to earn your salvation, but it is the fruit of your salvation. And my plea for us is to begin living in this way. To, to see all of life under the supremacy of Christ. Because I, I really believe that if, if in this room, if every follower of Christ who, who's a member of North Roanoke Baptist Church, even imperfectly, sought to live this way, then I really believe that this church will grow deeper in our love for the Lord Jesus and we will grow wider in our outreach to the community. But before we can grow deeper in our walk with Christ and see others come to faith in Christ, we need to behold Christ. Because He is preeminent. You don't don't give that to Him. That's His. Our role is to recognize that and live accordingly. And, And some of you, you need to see this preeminence Not turn a blind eye to it, not ignore it, not check out so that you don't have to deal with it. And you need to commit to following Christ. Some of you, perhaps again, you're the unbeliever here that's just checking things out. Maybe for the first time you're hearing, oh, I owe my allegiance to Christ. And through Him, you can be reconciled to God, whom you were made for because He died. And he rose again. Some of you need to, to commit to Christ for the, for the first or the, uh, the thousandth time. You need to repent of areas that, that you know. Like, Jesus, I love you, but don't touch that. Don't touch my golf trips. Don't touch my, my music selection or the movies I watch on Netflix. Don't, don't touch that. We need to see him as preeminent in everything. And that's my longing for you, and that's my longing for the church. So let me pray. Father in heaven, we love you, and I pray we would love you more. God, you are preeminent. Jesus, this is is yours. Whether we recognize it or not, that is the case. You reign and rule as creator and savior whether anyone believes or not. And I pray as an individual for me, for my family, for this church, that we would submit ourselves to the preeminence of Christ because that's who you are. Because I believe that as we do so, we will see you move in amazing ways in our own lives and in the life of this church and in the community. It's not going to be easy. Putting to death sin in our lives is difficult. But God, we, we need to see that you are more than worth it. That you, you bring reconciliation through the blood of the cross. That we have a hope, we have a joy in you. Because that's, we were made for you. So help us, we need you. It's in your son's beautiful name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the North Roanoke podcast. You can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store. Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.